Faith Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the seventh Sunday of Easter for the week of May 29th, 2022, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig in this week's podcast, and I'm excited because first we have to talk about, we are talking the seventh Sunday of Easter, also the text for the Ascension of our Lord, which would have been right around this time, it's a couple days earlier. But I think we also have to, especially here in the United States, we have to bring up the elephant that's been in the room is the Evaldi shooting of at Robb Elementary School. And it's difficult that we're in this place yet again. We're in this place of losing people that shouldn't be lost. And I know it's something that no matter what we talk about this week in trying faith and science together, but it's going to be something that's weighing on the minds of the people who are listening to these texts this week. So I just want to at least acknowledge that here at the beginning of this podcast, that this is something that is going to be at least influencing our thoughts, influencing how we're perceiving these things. And so that's about as much as I have figured out because I don't really feel that there's a really good science tie-in. And it's also fairly early on still with what has all been going on. And I feel like a lot of these events, it takes time to really process fully to be able to really talk about it at a deep level. But it's something that I wanted to at least acknowledge and realize that this is something that is going on and kind of bring up it's going to probably be influencing a little bit how we're thinking about this. But it's kind of eerie because it ties into the question that we had for last week, which was where you're putting yourself in any uncomfortable position to better understand. And we had people talking about it, and I thank people for reaching out that this last week really spoke to them. I had one person talking about putting themselves in the difficult situation of reading through Native American history with local to where they're at and kind of wrestling through what their descendants and relatives did to take over the land and going through that. And it's something if you, I encourage you, if you haven't at least looked into that history, especially in North America, look into it. I know for me, it's been something I've glanced at and looked at myself and even questioned my parents. Then how did my grandparents and great grandparents get land here in the United States? And it gets to you thinking about how we've kind of forced will on things. I would say for me, having gone through what I have this last week, the uncomfortable position that I've been placed in actually ties in a little bit to the Uvalde shooting is I was in Chicago this last weekend and there was a shooting within 10 to 15 minutes of where I was going. And so that was kind of frightening, kind of scary, kind of something that as I got back to my vehicle and was safe and looked up what had all gone on, and it's a long story in and of itself, but just realizing in ways of how close I was and this is something that we continue to bring up and it's something that I didn't intend to put myself in that uncomfortable position, but it also gets to difficult that we're in this place of people getting into uncomfortable positions in that in this case, not necessarily for growth, but in places where these should be safe spaces. These should be places that we don't have to worry about that type of thing. And that was not something I had initially thought about with these conversations. But I think it's how can we put ourselves in uncomfortable positions to better understand others is, I think, a very important conversation to be having. So 
this week we got to jump right into it. I'm going to start with the ascension of our Lord text, which there are five, and then we'll jump into the text for the seventh Sunday of our Lord. So let's just jump into it. The first reading then is out of Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. This text, especially tied with what we have as the gospel text with this, tie really closely together. But it's first Luke, who we are assuming is the writer of Acts, who also wrote the book of Luke, is re-summarizing kind of what has gone on in the book of Luke. It even starts in the first book, the beginning of the text, kind of talking about how what was all going on and the suffering that was going on, but then gets into how Jesus had kind of reaffirmed that there is going to be this descending of the Holy Spirit, that there is going to be something that's going to fill these people. And he then is taken up in a cloud and people are looking for him, but he is taken the same way that he kind of descended from above. So this idea of kind of tying, it's a bridge spot, I feel, of tying the Luke text into what the beginning of the early church, as we know, Acts will be. The psalm this week is Psalm 47, which is a praise psalm to begin with, just acknowledging the awesomeness of God and how the world is under God's care and how in that we are singing praise, we are acknowledging all the things that God is doing in and around us and just knowing that there is someone who is in control over all of it. The other psalm that you can use this week for the ascension of our Lord is Psalm 93, all five verses of that. And again, it's this similar type of thing of acknowledging the majesty of God, acknowledging how he established everything and how God continues to take things and make them everlasting, lifting up the world and lifting us up in that and acknowledging the strength and power of God and that that is worthy of awe, worthy of praise in that way. The second reading is from Ephesians chapter 1 verses 15 to 23. This then is acknowledging the power again of God in in recognizing the saints and the people have gone on before, but it's also a prayer and recognizing that we are needing the spirit that we were promised to be able to enlighten us, to be able to move in the direction of where God is trying to place us and the awe and power that God has in that to acknowledge what God is doing at the most basic level, and that you've raised people from the dead, you've done all these different things. And that this prayer of acknowledging, let me hand over myself to be able to become what you have designed me to be, to be molded into the person that you have called me to be. The gospel text then for this part is from Luke chapter 24, verses 44 to 53. And this is acknowledging here that Jesus is with his disciples and has spoken all these different things and that he's fulfilled all these different things and that he will, in this case, still will, that thus the Messiah must suffer and rise on the third day and in repentance of sin that this is all going to happen and that you will be witnesses of these things. 
and that the father is promising something. And so as the disciples have all seen all this, he withdraws from them. They are, and he blesses them and then is lifted up in the heaven. This causes the disciples to worship and are just in awe and majesty of God. And, it, and in, think about it. This is pretty remarkable in and of itself that you are able to see the majestic nature of God in this way, being able to see the ascension of Jesus after going through all this and recognizing that you have been that close to God would be pretty amazing in of itself. So the text for the seventh Sunday of Easter start with the first reading being from Acts chapter 16, verses 16 to 34. This is a really interesting story. I don't think it's a very familiar one, but you have Paul and Silas going through this town. There's this slave girl who has the spirit of divination, who is, is a slave and is giving a great deal of money to her owners by fortune telling. Paul keeps hearing that these men are slaves to the Most High God and will proclaim the way of salvation. He gets sick of this, so he casts that spirit out of the person. Then, when that has all happened, the owners of them, realizing that there is no longer any money in the value of this slave girl, which then we never hear of her again, drag Paul and Silas into the marketplace and talk about how these men are disturbing our city. They are Jews. They are advocating for customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to adopt and observe. Gets the crowd all stirred up. They get thrown into prison after being flogged. So they're in chains and shackles. And so they're in there singing praise to God. And suddenly there's an earthquake which shakes the violently the foundations of the prison. And the doors are all open. And the jailer, who then is responsible for all these people, is about to kill himself. And Paul shouts out, we're all here. Turn on the lights. You'll find us all here. And we get this about face of the jailer who is, what is this all about? And comes to believe through this trial and tribulation that Paul and Silas go through. And he brings them to their house for food. The psalm then that goes with that is Psalm 97, which again, it kind of keeps with this theme that we've been hearing of the Lord, the Most High King, and recognizing the that God has been there since the foundations of what has been going on, and that he consumes his adversaries, that he is in charge of all these different things, and that the heavens proclaim the glory of God, all of us should be worshiping and bowing down and all this recognition of what God does and that the, the Lord is going to consume the wicked. So let's rejoice in the name of the Lord. So it's this whole recognition of what God has been doing. The second reading is from Revelation chapter 22 verses 12 to 14. 16 and 17, and 20 and 21. This then concludes six straight weeks that we've had at least the opportunity to have a Revelation text. And this is this recognition of the, again, the awe and majesty of God, the beginning. He is both the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, and that God washes all our robes clean, that this is the beginning of the tree of life, the bright morning star, the one who is bringing us all 
all together and that it welcomes us into the family of God by the grace of God. The gospel text then for the seventh Sunday is from John, the 17th chapter, starting at verse 20 through 26. This is the part of the farewell discord. This is the high priestly prayer, which gets broken down every single year. On the seventh Sunday, we get different parts. This is the final part of it. And this is the part that Jesus is praying for us. This is Jesus praying on the behalf of the future believers and that they not come to believe in Jesus because of what has all happened and the faith of the people who are there and that this continues to be spread so that we can better understand the creator that has created us and wants to have this relationship with us. And the whole purpose of why Jesus was sent in the beginning, the initiation of why Jesus even was sent into this ministry field. And we get in verse 23, I and them and you and me, that we are completely one so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And so this understanding that we recognize the love that God has and that has been there since the foundations of the world. It's a beautiful, beautiful prayer, seeing the heart of what God is trying to bring through in what God was wanting from the beginning. So before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do our shameless plugs. Oh. Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions, having three to four seminary professors from Luther Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota. And since I'm not an ordained minister, I really enjoy not only listening to that, but also looking at the different commentaries that are there from other biblical scholars from all over the world. So if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. But I'd also highly recommend checking out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from the Vanderbilt Divinity Library. This, for me, is great for not only looking at all the text, but also seeing how different people have interpreted it through art. And that's such a helpful tool to be able to look at how different people throughout time and space have recognized and acknowledged and creatively interpreted these texts. So, if you haven't checked out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library, I'd highly recommend that also. There is a lot of text to go through this week, but I feel that no matter if you are working with the Ascension or the seventh Sunday in Easter, there is a common theme that we are dealing with here. And the theme that I would say is be prepared to be amazed, even if it's expected. So the expectation still causes a surprise. Jesus stating that this is how I'm going to be risen, stating it, and that it still happens, and then we still get the worship, the awe of the moment. And then Acts kind of reiterating that, and that this is not the end, but yet a new beginning for what is the beginning of the foundations of what the church will look like as we work our way further into Acts. When I think about this and how we as people could recognize this in our world in a science context, I think we have to go very elementary because there are a lot of things in life where we do something anticipating some result, but we don't know entirely what the result will be. 
Take a garden, for instance, that we plant seeds into that garden, expecting that if we take care of that garden, most of the plants will at least come up and we will at least see growth. But we aren't necessarily knowing exactly from every seed how many of the seeds are successful. And on top of that, when we are doing that, we are also then not recognizing until the end how much fruit, how much produce will we acquire from that plant. A great example of this is like an apple tree, for instance. When you have even a apple tree that you buy at a nursery that's a couple years old, it's very common knowledge that you wait multiple years before that apple tree is going to produce any fruit. And on top of that, often you need two of those trees around it so that they can help cross-pollinate each other when you get to that point. But it takes the time for it to be adjusting to the soil conditions and it establishing itself as a tree to be in a position where give up the extra energy to bear fruit. And we actually, if we look throughout the Gospels, there's plenty of times where we see this, that talk, and even Jesus using parables to talking about how certain times that you're going to have the more and more fruit or more and more produce that you don't know how much it's going to give off, how much additional fruit or produce will be produced from this plant. But when we plant the seed or plant the the starter tree, you can't tell me how much fruit that tree is going to give you right away. You can't tell me your even annual plant, how much fruit it's going to give you. When you plant your tomato plant, how many tomatoes are you going to get by the end of the year? There's anticipation and you don't even know when that's going to happen. You can have ideas. They can give you rough estimates that if you have it in the ground by this point and then you give it this amount of time roughly at this point you should start producing tomatoes but then you don't know based on the weather based on the conditions and where you're at how long your growing season is going to be that particular year on how much fruit you're actually going to produce a great example of this actually was last year we bought our house in july we had been trying to grow some tomatoes and we didn't have nearly the crop I think that we had anticipated of tomatoes and part of it was there was a lot of stress that plant went through from moving to trying to figure out the light situation and then trying to go through where we were we had some drought making sure that we were watering it and all this different stuff where the plant went through a lot it tr kept recovering but yet and it did produce some fruit but I think if we had taken better care of it, put it in a better situation, it would have produced more fruit. And the amount of fruit was in at that point of when we purchased it, we didn't know how much. We had expectations of what we thought it would do, but then we didn't do our job. We didn't respond in the way that it could have to really make it a super successful plant. Jesus lays out, especially in the ascension, but even in the high priestly prayer here at the end. Jesus's mission and what he's been about and what he's been trying to do and what in the seventh Sunday text, what Jesus is trying to establish and what he's hoping is going to happen because of what Christ has done. And then Jesus kind of reiterating what with his disciples and the Ascension Day, 
what has all happened, and this has all been foretold. This is what's going to happen, and boom, it happens. They worship, and there's still then, as we see throughout scriptures, they're still surprised. Oh, when is he coming back? Even though he stated he doesn't know. But yet then they're thinking, oh, it should be fairly soon, and there's so much that we don't understand of God, and why should we think that we're in that position? Because whenever we look out into nature, there are so many things that we don't understand. There are so many things that we can predict, but that isn't necessarily the case every single time. For instance, where I'm at right now, we have had a very cool spring overall. It's still trying to warm up. The leaves haven't fully come out. They're this last week starting to really get out of bud form and you're starting to see early leaves, but they haven't fully leafed out. This is extremely late for that, that we're at the end of May and we haven't fully leafed out. This is a very odd year. But again, it's not all of the realm of possibility. This is things that we as people have to understand that the beautiful thing, even within the scientific calendar, if you want to put it that way, of when you have the first day of spring and the first day of summer, the first day of summer is in mid-June in the northern hemisphere. People think of that as, yeah, school's out you're, and it's been warm for a while. That doesn't necessarily always happen. Right now, where we're at in May, we're still technically in spring for a little less than 30 days, but we're still in spring. And yeah, we haven't warmed up where I'm at at this point. We have to understand that we're not in control here. We're not the ones who are controlling every aspect. We have these expectations and we don't understand necessarily how they're all going to play out year in, year out. But we can use these approximations to help us understand that. This is the beauty of having seasons. Sometimes you're going to have a much faster spring than other years. Some years you're going to have great crop yield. Other years are going to be more difficult with things beyond your control. Jesus is laying out, I have foretold you what this is going to be. You maybe didn't fully understand what it meant. And that's where like the revelation text welcoming us into the family that even the times that we mess up, that we fall short, that Christ is still there to wash us clean. The Acts text with that, talking about how in these moments where what is going on, if we're the jailer and thinking, there's this earthquake, I'm dead meat. If the prisoners escape, it's on his watch, he dies. And yet they're still there waiting. And this is surprise to the jailer. The surprise of what God is. The surprise of when the birds return. Can you exactly say, like when we talked about last week, can you tell me exactly when the birds are going to get back? No. Do we have a general idea? Yes. And I think that's one of the things that Christ is trying to reiterate to us is I've given you these general ideas because Jesus doesn't know the exact time, the exact place, but these are the things that are roughly going to happen. They may not happen in the way that you expect, but they're going to happen. And you'll be able to look back and say, ah, yes, yes, I see that now. I see that now. And there's so many ways when we're understanding the processes within science that when there's things we don't understand, when we finally understand it, we look back and say, ah, yes, they were missing this. They were missing that. I think about it in, especially here in the United States, we're a few months away from our Independence Day, but how many places around the world for New Year's or Independence Days use fireworks? And it's a dangerous position 
And there's a lot of things that you can do, and I'll attach some links down below on they understand how to put the fuse in to get all these different bursts and how we can arrange different things to get different shapes. And we can put in different compounds to get different colors. It's great. But we also know how dangerous they are because we aren't 100% sure. We're fairly confident, but there's still times that things happen that go wrong, things that go awry, and suddenly it doesn't go quite the way we expect. But the other thing is thinking about it is even as a person who gone to how many fireworks shows and seen most of them even if you told me that you're going to get the heart one at this point and the smiley face at this point are we still going to want to go and see those even if we can see a picture on the package on what it's going to look like and we could talk about the process that happened and all the different compounds that went in and this is exactly the way and how this firework is going to go off but we still want to see it ourselves even though we see the picture and what it's going to portray there's something about us experiencing that that we want to see that we want to understand how many times do we take pictures of things but you hear the analogy you had to be there you had to be there. It was different in person. I can only capture it so well in a photograph. Jesus is reminding us that I've laid out and told you this to encourage you to, to let you know that this is coming, that this is happening. But trust me, this that's exactly it. it is, and it may be not in the way that you expect. So that's where these prayers that we get in the ascension of our Lord, which I find especially the Ephesians text, talking about that and, and recognizing the power of God and how we should be giving praise to him, but also the John text, recognizing Jesus praying for us is so powerful. And then getting the Acts, beginning of Acts reading, but also the Luke reading, laying out the ministry of what Christ has done for us to recognize. It gets back to what we talked about last week of being observant to those little details. Being able to slow down enough to recognize the little details, the little things, and how important those are. To be able to rationalize what Christ is doing. So the question that I have for you this week is, do our expectations taint reality? Do our expectations taint reality? Another way of putting it is, do our expectations spoil the surprise of God? Because I think there's times that we get so caught up in that idea. We get so caught up with this is the way it's supposed to be that then we miss the opportunities that are around us. Are there opportunities that I've missed because it's been a long spring, a colder spring, and I've been more worried about the weather and where I'm at that I'm missing that? Are there going to be times later this summer that I'm going to be craving this cool spring because it's a hot summer? I don't know. Are there things that we're so caught up in this is the way that we're expecting God to do it that when God does something different, it's like, whoa, 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 I didn't see that coming. And he's like, I've told you. I laid this all out for you. It's your own expectations that got in the way. I've prayed for you to be able to rationalize and understand this. Why are you so unwilling to do that? To see what I'm trying to create. I think in a lot of ways, it's something that as a world we have to look at. It's something that I'll briefly touch on here at the end. I think one of the things that we have to really look at is coming out of this pandemic is the idea of the macho person, the idea that I can do this myself, is maybe a flawed mentality. 
The idea that we really need each other. The idea that it's okay to not be okay. The idea to be in a spot where we sit in an uncomfortable room and hear difficult things so that we can better understand people are probably needed. Because if God continues to surprise us on how God does things, and that's kind of what Easter showed us, then we should be able to do the same thing with each other so that we can better understand what God is actually doing, not just being tainted on what we expect God to be doing. It's the difficult thing with science is we make a hypothesis, but we have to also still do the results and test and not just get tainted by the idea this is the way we expected it to go. And it's one of the things we've talked about in previous podcasts, and it's one of the things that is being worked on within the science community of making sure that we're also publishing negative results so that we can better understand actually what's going on and not just being tainted by the allure of positive results, the allure of having things the way we want them to be seen, the way we predict things to be seen. Because the greatest breakthroughs in science are been the times when we see the unexpected. The greatest points within our faith where we grow is the unexpected. And the greatest thrills in life often are the unexpected ones where God blesses us with something that we weren't expecting. So on this Ascension Day, on this seventh Sunday of Easter, as we move into Pentecost next week, make sure that we're giving God a fair shake and that we don't have it all drawn out for God so that God can surprise us and say, yes, I'm fulfilling what I told you just in a way you didn't expect. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.